0: Welcome to Leveling Up, a noob's quest to get good. This is a gaming history and interview podcast where each week we take a new game and discuss its history.
1: As well as look at it from the perspective of someone who hasn't played a lot of games.
0: I'm Joe, your resident gaming historian.
1: And I'm Tina, so pale that I basically am a god. And welcome to the show.
0: to this episode of Leveling Up, A Noob's Quest to Get Good. Uh, so there's been a bit of a change in schedule. I mentioned it in the BL2 episode, uh, but in case you didn't listen to that, I'm re it here. Uh, instead of Half-Life, this time we're going to be doing Hollow Knight. Uh, quickly, before we start, because of that, I just want to say that my prediction for Tina uh, is for Hollow Knight is going to be an 8 out of 10.
1: Sorry to anyone who is really looking forward to uh, Half-Life, but I was really bored by it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's basically how that went. Yeah. So Tina, and I couldn't find a gun. Yeah, I mean that's also fair. So Tina, how would you explain Hollow Knight to someone else?
1: So Hollow Knight is a kind of dark Metroidvania where you play as a little bug creature, and you slash your way through this uh, almost abandoned kingdom, and as you you aren't really sure of what your mission is when you start out but as you go along you kind of discover uh more and more kind of piece by piece what your mission is and yeah it's you're a little bug yeah
0: uh tina pretty much hit the nail on the head with that one hey hey uh it's a
1: nail joke we're not gonna make any more i promise because i'm a throttle joe if he makes any more jokes like that
0: okay uh... you,
1: you are allowed one thread the needle joke but that's
0: it yeah i mean tina Like I said, Tina pretty much did hit the nail on the head. Uh, She, It's a Metroidvania. That's its main genre. You could put things like Hack and Slash or Platformer in there, but primarily it's a Metroidvania heavily inspired by the original Metroid and things like, you know, uh, guac also, but mostly the original (laughs) Metroid. Uh, Tina, what do you think of this game?
1: I was incredibly nervous coming to this game because I have an incredible phobia of anything with more than four legs. It's disgusting. I hate it. Don't try me. We're not going there. No. End of story. So, Joe kind of... He dragged me kicking and screaming into this game, but at the end I kind of relented, because Half-Life was actually worse than playing <laughs> a game about bugs.
0: Yeah, yeah. There we go.
1: So, I guess in the end, technically, this was my choice. but So, I was very apprehensive about playing the game, but the at the at the end of it, I came out of the other side. I absolutely loved it. I feel I am all the better for playing for it or playing through it. And I'm so happy that we did it.
0: Yeah. Um, and I personally am very glad that you enjoyed it because I, uh, I've uh i been a Metroidvania fan for a while. I love Metroidvanias. They are one of my top tier genres in video games. Um, And Hollow Knight is among the top tier in that field. I've adored Hollow Knight. It's just so good. Uh, And that's even more impressive because this game was made by like four people.
1: Which is bananas. Yeah. Just. You definitely told this. You definitely told me this fact when we started playing the game. And I'm sure it stuck in the back of my mind somewhere. But you mentioned it to me when I was about like halfway to kind of almost halfway through the game. And that just really just blew my mind at that moment just how three people and a composer managed to do all of this just how did it not take them 30 years yeah. why are any of us not following our dreams you can do anything
0: that is what Hollywood proves you can't do anything
1: you can do anything i completed this game they made this game they're about on equal levels of amazing <laughs> tr-
0: Yep. 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 <laughs> yeah.
1: How seriously though? How do you know how long it took them to make this game?
0: So the original Hollow Knight Kickstarter started in November 2014, and the original release date was February 2017. So two and a half years.
1: Three people made this game in less time than it took me to get my degree.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What the hell? Yeah.
1: What am I doing with my life?
0: <laughs> Not making video games, obviously. No, I'm not. <laughs> what the hell? I mean, yeah. Moving into a little more specifics, how'd you feel about the tutorial? First little section, King's Path, how'd you feel about that?
1: So, the tutorial section, I I thought it was a good tutorial for the main reason that I didn't die during it. Yeah. And I can't say that about all the other games we've played. Yeah, that's fair. It, You know, it gave me a... A basic understanding or what I thought was a basic understanding of the game and I didn't die so I was proud of myself but yeah. um I went back and I watched someone do a let's play of specifically just that first part because in preparation for this episode I realized I didn't remember kind of that beginning cutscene like specifically where your character came from yeah and so I wanted to go back and answer that question that I had in my head and watching this Guy on YouTube played the tutorial. I realized like how much more he got out of the tutorial than I did, yeah. And that is okay. I still thought the tutorial was good, even though apparently I only did like 30% of it. Yeah, that's okay, that's it's fine. okay, it's fine, it's fine
0: because <laughs> I'm sure that guy has had more experience playing games than you, and so he did stuff that he knew only because he's played games.
1: I mean, yeah. But, like, within the first five seconds, he downward slashed Joseph. (laughs) (laughs) The first five seconds.
0: Hey, Tina, why you bring up downward slashing?
1: Long, very embarrassing story to myself short. I got to the fungal wastes and specifically the bouncy mushrooms. And I realized, obviously, that they were bouncy. But if you just, like, hop on them, it almost kind of dampens dampens your jump. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I thought I must just not have had some power up or something. Like, I don't know. I thought maybe I was going to get some shoes and that would allow me to jump on these bouncy mushrooms. But I eventually asked Joseph why I could no longer progress through the game. And he was like, Tina, you need to downward slash. So I didn't realize that that was a thing I could do. And I literally got to the fungal waste without using any directional slashing. Which I think is kind of a feat in and of itself.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's certainly something. Um, (laughs) But I just think this This is...
1: is Certainly something. Joe.
0: (laughs) But I think this is just an interesting case study of exactly kind of the point of this podcast. Tina doesn't know a lot about video games, and so things like this trip her up. Because developers make assumptions about things that video game players know, and this is one of those assumptions... This is a thing in so many video games. If there's something that is bouncy, you can bounce higher on it. A trampoline, a note block in Mario, these mushrooms, whatever. This is a thing that is known to many, to like anyone that's played a lot of video games. Something bounces, you can bounce higher. And usually, you bounce higher by employing whatever your main kind of way of interacting with the game world is. In Mario, you jump higher by literally jumping at the right moment in time and in this game since your main way of interacting with the world is by attacking with your nail you have to attack the mushroom and this brings in another thing where anytime you can attack something like with a sword there's usually directional slashing not always but directional slashing is like a thing that a lot of kind of attack based stuff has so bringing all that information together i saw the mushrooms and i'm like oh i bounce i got to attack them to bounce higher There we go. Off I go. Off to the races. But...
1: Off to the races. Meanwhile, I'm just gonna sit here and wander around the Fungal Wastes and wander around and through the Mantis Kingdom. Yeah. Just trying to...
0: Yeah. Trying to
1: get those good, good shoes that will let me bounce high.
0: Yep. But, I think that's an interesting dichotomy. It's an assumption that the developers made that they may not have known they made because Mm -hmm. they're designing a game for gamers that know how games work but that sometimes closes their game off from people that don't know how games work.
1: Or don't have a very nice friend who (laughs) tells them how these things should work. Exactly. And obviously not, obviously they probably, they shouldn't have necessarily needed to put kind of something that says, oh, you can slash downward. Like you can do it with your nail. Like, this is how you interact with the mushrooms. Like, obviously, they didn't need, like, a big flashing sign, but it definitely is a balance between how accessible do you make your game versus how handholding does it feel.
0: Yeah. I think in most cases, Hollow Knight did this very well, this kind of natural tutorializing where they didn't have to give you <laughs> a big blinking sign. Like, anytime they introduced a new power-up, they did kind of the generic Metroidvania thing where they trapped you in an area with the new power-up until you figured out how the power-up worked. This one was a little more, um, a little less obvious in that if you go into the fungal ways from a certain direction, you find a wall that's too tall and there's some mushrooms there. So you kind of can either just leave thinking there's some shoes or you can sit there and fiddle with the mechanics until you figure out how to get over that wall. This obviously didn't work for Tina in particular, but that's not necessarily either good or bad.
1: And I think it also, my, I don't know of hesitation to slash the mushrooms, but my the, the the fact that I didn't have an intuition to slash the mushrooms, I think was also um, seen in another way that I played the game, where I know that I probably missed so many of those walls that uh-huh. you need to slash. Yeah. Like, I, it's not that I had a problem interacting with the scenery with my sword, but it was almost like, this is a weapon. The weapon is used to kill things. So you should interact. You should use your weapon to interact with enemies. Uh-huh. It almost like not that it didn't occur to me to use it to interact with the world around me, but mm-hmm. it just like it, it was it was another switch that needed to be flipped.
0: Yeah, but now you know if a whatever a game's kind of main means of interacting with a world is, even if it's an attack, that's how you interact with the whole world, not just the enemies. Or at least that's how good mm-hmm. games are designed. Yes. <laughs> so. How did you feel about the atmosphere of the game?
1: The atmosphere of this game from very legitimately, the title screen was everything. Yeah. The 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 art style, the background, the music, most of all, it all came together and was just breathtaking at times. Yeah. I cannot get over how, yes, this game was 2D, but they did this... Really cool layering thing where the foreground is just uh, outlines of black shapes, mm-hmm. the midground is where you're actually interacting, and then the background is just like this very fuzzy, uh, textured uh, background. Yeah, and it's it it gives the, a 2D game so much depth, and it was so fabulous to look at. It was amazing.
0: Yeah. That's a uh, That tech that depth technique is called parallax scrolling. It's uh, how the different layers scroll at different speeds to give it the illusion of depth. Because obviously the further away something is, the slower it's going to move relative to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: yeah. And yeah. The, something happened with this game that I find that I try to do with all the games that we play through. And whenever it happens, I find it so magical, where after I finish the game, I will listen through the entire soundtrack and if just listening to the soundtrack, I could picture where it would be in the game. Mm-hmm. Like, that to me tells me there was good music, and it was strongly... It's evocative music, and was strongly associated with a specific area. And I just, oh, I just... I absolutely love when it happens.
0: Hell yeah. Shout out to Christopher Larkin, composer. Great composer.
1: Uh, there are... Him and, like, one other living composer are, like... Like, I love... Actually, no. Too like I have like a list of people I actually want to meet, and like he is now on that list of people. Hell yeah! <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah.
0: I just think we,
1: we will apps. get some music, and I will gush about this man.
0: Yes. Yeah. The atmosphere was just really well done in every way. Uh, we'll talk more specifics later uh, about the art style because I think the art style and the kind of different areas differentiated themselves very well. But we'll talk about that more in a bit. One quick point that I'm really interested about. How did you feel about you're just playing the game doing the ho- doing the night thing and then you come back to the crossroads and it's all infected now?
1: For me personally, it was it was honestly kind of sad to see happen. And I get why it happened, but it, when you came back and it was like actually when the and the crossroads were actually infected for the first time, it was almost kind of heartbreaking mm-hmm. to see the infection spreading and I get that your mission in the game was to like, uh, like I mean, I guess it wasn't it, it. It sort of was to spread the infection, but sort of wasn't too. And so like, it's kind of like uh, like was the infection spreading a good thing or not? But like, I was I was very sad to see it happen personally.
0: Mm-hmm. The the and, my understanding of it, the impression I got was that it wasn't necessarily your purpose to spread the infection, but the infection was spread because. It happened after you killed certain bosses or a number or a dreamer. So my impression was that the infection started spreading because the bonds holding the radiance were weakening. So her infect her ability to spread this infection grew greater.
1: And it was just it was it was very sad to see the Radiance like gaining power. Yeah. And that that was kinda echoed in I guess a smaller way, but it was more impactful to me with the NPC Mila, who we'll talk about a lot when we get to yeah. favorite best and worst NPCs, but watching her go through a similar thing was just so gut-wrenching,
0: but... Definitely, definitely.
1: Seeing the same thing happen, like, also had a similar effect. It was very sad.
0: Yeah. I also like mechanically, that when the crossroads got infected, they became more difficult. It was a way to make the crossroads not boring. It was a way to Mm -hmm. pump up the the challenge of that area, both mechanically and narratively. It made sense with a narrative for that area to be harder now.
1: And it was also, it was very smart of the developers to show specifically that area getting infected. Yeah. Because that was such a highly traversed area.
0: Yeah, and it was also, you know, it was the closest to the Black Egg Temple, so it would make sense that Mm. it would be where the infection would spread first.
1: Yeah, like, it all... They really felt through everything, which is so wonderful to see.
0: Yeah. I also like that not only did it mess with combat, it also messed with exploration, because Mm -hmm. when the infection happened, it blocked off certain routes that you would use a lot, and so you had to find new routes around the place.
1: It forced you kind of even in... That late game stage, yeah. I, Killing Dreamers late game, yeah. In like that late game stage, to keep exploring things.
0: Yeah. So speaking of exploration and combat, as my transitions today are totally on point, uh, I kind of see this game having three main pillars: uh, exploration, platforming, and combat. Uh, and I want to discuss each of those in turn. So let's start. How did you feel about the exploration in this game?
1: So I thought that. One thing I really enjoyed about this game was how, I guess, natural the exploration felt. Mm Mhm. Um, kind of, I guess, as a big contrast to Guac, where the exploration, while some of it did happen on your own, it almost felt more artificial since, like, those very brightly colored blocks were all very easily noticeable on the map. You always knew where you hadn't fully explored yet. Mm And they kind of did a little bit of it in Hollow Knight with uh, certain map areas being... Like, you could see where there were gaps in the map,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: or where there were endings that weren't, like, finished, or whatever. Yeah. But there still definitely was a bit of remembering that you had to do on your own, or just real actual exploring that you had to do to get into every nook and cranny in the game.
0: Especially when it came to, like, secret rooms, which weren't on the map at all yeah and were completely something you had to discover on your own
1: and there was also so much to discover it wasn't just all about filling out conifer's map there was so much to find there were the mass shards there were the vessel shards there were the grubs there were the charms there were new shopkeeps, there were other random npcs like you didn't know what you were gonna find when you went exploring, which was wonderful because that's how it should be.
0: Yeah, exactly. Speaking of Cornerford's map, how did you feel about that map? That cool, cool map. You know how that I good feel good about map. it.
1: I, apparently, you really like his cool, cool map. Yeah, I think they did the map really well. This game would have been nearly impossible without one. Mm-hmm. You, with how expansive everything was, you couldn't have done it without the map. Mm-hmm. But they were so smart about it where they didn't give you a map right away. You had to find him. Mm-hmm. But they did like leave the cool little paper trails. Yeah. Like, get, so, so you kind of almost had breadcrumbs. Like, you kind of knew where you were going. Um, and also, he didn't give you a map that was fully filled out. Yeah. You still, you still had to do some exploration and the not fully completed map almost made you want to explore. Like, you want to fill out that map.
0: Yeah. it's It's nice because it's kind of, it's a, it, there are two reasons to explore. One, I mean, there's mul- there's a lot of reasons to explore, but, like, you want to fill out the map, and while filling out the map, you find cool stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, And then how did you feel about the fast travel systems, uh, stag stations and the dream gate?
1: So, while both were useful, by the time I got the dream gates, I was, I guess, just so much more familiar with the stag stations. Mm-hmm. So that, like, I just it was just it was never something i remembered to use sure the the stags or er, the the dream gates were something i never remember to use the stag stations even though they kind of had a more narrow range of like places you could travel to cuz there were only, there were a finite number of stag stations and you could place a dream gate anywhere it just it was it was just my main way of traveling yeah. i didn't use the dream gates as much as i probably should have
0: Totally fair. I didn't really use the Dream Gates for extended travel. I mostly used them as convenient places to get back to. Usually I'd put one at the most recent stag station I was at, just so, like, if I needed to travel somewhere after I got a thing, I could go back there. Or, what I used them for the most was I would place them right outside of boss arenas, so when I died I could transport right back to the boss, instead of having to do all the platforming that it would take to get back there.
1: Fuck, that boss thing would have been so helpful. (laughs)
0: oh my god
1: uh.
0: yes it was very helpful especially against the traitor lord who spoilers fucked that bitch i'm
1: so mad at myself
0: <laughs> but Damn it. yeah but speaking of platforming how did you feel about the platforming
1: so the platforming was one of the things i really or probably the pillar, I guess, that we're talking about that I enjoyed most about the game, because it was something I actually felt relatively competent at.
0: Once you figure out down-slashing, yeah.
1: Yes, once I figured oh, mm, I mm, <laughs> mm, Even then, those mushrooms
0: suck. The mushrooms I was fine with. The fucking bugs that were above the acid. Those are the shits I had problems with. Oh my god.
1: We're gonna get to this later. The fungal waste suck. Hey. They suck. They can suck my dick. Yep. Just, the worst. Yeah, the worst. Pretty bad. Pretty bad. Regardless. I the platforming was great. It made the fact that there was so much exploring to do, it made it not boring. You yeah, know? Totally. Very much in opposite to Shantae. You weren't just walking from one side of the screen to the next, even though both games were just two D. Yeah,
0: exactly. I definitely would agree with that. The yeah. I mean, I really like the platforming for the reason you said, traversal is fun. It's 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 a challenge to get from point A to point B. It's not just get from point A to point B. It's a challenge, and that challenge is sometimes mitigated, but in a more fun way. Because the more power-ups you get, the more interesting and unique ways you have to get from point A to point B.
1: Exactly. And it also, the I think something that they did really well in this game was they recognized how hard the platforming was and they made sure to reward you at the end of really hard platforming things.
0: Oh, definitely.
1: Like it, you you didn't just earn rewards like shards or charms or geo at the end of combat. Yeah. Like if you put in the time and effort and explored this one really hard section all the way through, then there always was something there for you.
0: Yeah, like so many of the grubs were at the end of the long session, one of the nail masters was at the end of the platforming section. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then, final pillar, how did you feel about the combat? Oh my god.
1: I mean, don't get me wrong, it was great, but this combat kicked my ass. Like, even from the start, like, I died to the Grosmother more than
0: once. The only reason I didn't die to the Grosmother this time is because I'd played a little bit before, and I knew what she was doing. I'm pretty sure I died to her too the first time.
1: But... (laughs) While the combat was super grueling, it was they did they they did a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. the The bosses were so. I mean, I'm not gonna say each was so unique, but like the big ones really. Oh yeah. Were so different, and the the combat patterns, like they, they at least me personally, I never walked into a boss feeling confident. Sure. Even when I did. Diff- like, even on the run that I defeated them, I rarely walked in feeling confident.
0: Oh, definitely.
1: And I feel like that says something. Yeah. I feel like it also says something that there were a couple times I didn't think I was going to finish the game.
0: <laughs> and
1: it was always because of combat.
0: Yep. Speaking of kind of combat and fighting bosses and that kind of stuff, I was curious. Did, how did you feel about... So there's this concept that happens in a lot of games, in a lot of different genres, but I experienced it a lot in this game with certain bosses. Uh, You enter a kind of flow state. Uh, This was most obvious to me in the Mantis Lords fight.
1: Yes, yes.
0: Yes, where you're not so much playing the game as like, this is going to sound so cheesy, but like you are the game. You have entered like a state where your reactions are intuition and not thought
1: you see the code.
0: You uh, you see the Matrix. Like, I really think that a large number of the bosses in this game do that. Uh, mm. Mantis Lords is the most obvious one, I think. And even better is, I didn't fight them because I didn't do any of the Godhome Pantheons, but the Sisters of Battle, which is all three of them at the same time. Oh my god. Like, them and Hornet, I think, is another yes. one of those bosses. Did you I, feel that kind Hornet,
1: of? Hornet, yes I did. For me, I was going to say Hornet, the first fight.
0: That's Yeah, that's fair. I
1: didn't, I didn't feel like quite as much the second fight, because, like, obviously, as, like... As the combat became more complex,
0: mm-hmm.
1: my gap in experience kind of got... Or became more obvious. That's fair. So, like, even though I was progressing, like, in the game, there was just, like... I just didn't have as many hours mm-hmm. put into it. That's fair. So, I didn't really feel... Uh, I... Like, I never, almost never felt that, like, endgame.
0: Okay. Like, Uh, during, like, endgame state. there was, like, there was a few bosses that did it. Uh, You know, the, like I said, the Mantis Lords. I think it... Yes. I really think it... There were some bosses that I was just able to brute force and some that I was able to cheese, but the ones that I was able to enter that flow state were the ones that I probably liked the most because they felt the best design to me.
1: Oh 100%. It's
0: almost like a dance, you know. Mm-hmm. It it feels like it you know, yeah. I'm, I can keep pontificating, but like you know what I mean.
1: Exactly. Like it feels like it almost feels like there was an answer, you know, and like now you have found it. Yes. And so that's why like, it was it was so good. Yes. Honestly, it probably only happened on the Mantis Lords in the first Hornet fight for me.
0: That's fair. That's fair.
1: But like but it did Ooh, I knew exactly what you were talking about.
0: Yes. Another uh I just want to bring this up real quick. Another boss that was kind of flow statey but that I didn't experience as much because I just cheesed it was um Troop Lord Grim and Nightmare King Grim as well. Did you do any of the Grim Troop uh content?
1: Oh no, cause so I did not do any of the Grim Troop side quests because I played most of this game in about 72 hours. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And when I say most, it's probably like 60%, like it's not like 80% or anything like that. So I knew I was kind of on a time crunch, so I had guides up that told me the necessary bosses, and I steered clear of that Grim Troop.
0: That's fair. I <laughs> did the Grim Troop because I wanted- rather
1: extensive.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, that's fair. I did the Grim Troop because I wanted the extra Charm Notch. Fair enough. Um, but, See, like...
1: I did, I did, um, whatever that first, uh, round of the Coliseum
0: of Fools. Yep, is. Coliseum of Fools, yep.
1: Yeah, like, ju- just the
0: first, first round. I did the second round, but not the third, because I wanted that pale lower. Oh, okay. Yep. But, the fight itself, if you actually, like, grind it out and do it, that one's another one that you can very easily enter a flow state on, especially Nightmare King Grim. Okay. Because it is very much designed to feel like a dance a performance you know you're there performing for a literal circus so it feels very much like he doesn't attack you respond you do an attack he doesn't attack it's taking turns it's dancing that kind of thing
1: that's so fabulous i love that yeah
0: yeah i really like the grim troop kind of aesthetic as well i love that aesthetic that kind of uh I don't know exactly what aesthetic it is. Like, kind of, not steampunky, but like Victorian-ish and kind of...
1: Victorian, almost quasi-goth, like... Yeah. Very, almost vampiric,
0: like... You mentioned the Coliseum of Fools. How did you feel about that as an experience? I know you hate combat, so I think that says something, but still curious.
1: (laughs) While I do... Not hate combat, but that definitely is my weakest point uh-huh. in this game, and the game definitely exposed it and dug its knife into it. Um, a very close second to my weak point is, um, I died constantly. Yeah, just I remember you telling me that you will get to a point in the game where you have more geo than you can spend. Uh huh, like right hand to god, that didn't happen. <laughs> Because I kept dying on corpse runs. Fair enough. So the Coliseum of Fools was a very good way to... um, Quickly... Like, relatively quickly grind out Geo.
0: Yeah. For totally me. Fair. Totally fair. Because,
1: like, you got... If you kept doing that first trial again, you got a thousand Geo each time. Yeah. Which, like, yes, it was a lot. But, like, the the things you weren't fighting... With the exception of, like, you did have to fight, like, two Gruss but, like, they weren't bosses, you know? Yeah. Like, you were definitely fighting smaller things. You just had to fight a lot of them in quick succession.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: So it definitely was a different feel that the benefits of that large amount of Geo, for me, were so helpful. hmm It was it's also cool. just, like, a cool, like, kind of pocket of the world to exist,
0: you yeah. know? it felt very cool thematically, and then you start fighting, and then the Primal Aspids show up, and then you just throw your Switch across the room. Yeah.
1: <laughs> You just say fuck you.
0: <laughs> we don't have a highs and lows for enemy, but my low is primal aspid. Fuck the primal aspid; they suck. <laughs> I hate them so much.
1: I realized it was a meme, and I didn't think I was gonna fall into that meme, but I did. I hate them.
0: They're terrible. Um, how did you feel about the various kind of quest NPCs that uh, inhabited the world? Uh, people like cloth or coral or Zote
1: so they for me they really added to the the depth of the game mm-hmm. we s- since we do play D D together we talk about and you are like the dm for our game we talk about like world building and how like our group misses facets of your world all the time because mm-hmm. <laughs> we're terrible at this game that you can't really be bad at but it kind of, the, the quest NPCs, like, kind of echoed that for me, where they were they were avenues you did not have to take, but, like, they, they were still there doing their thing. Yeah. And when you did take them, you kind of got a glimpse into how developed this game was. Yeah,
0: definitely. Uh, so what did you think Did about... you do lots of them? I believe, the three I mentioned, I technically finished their quests- uh, I finished okay. cloth and coral for sure. I saw the end of them. It, mm-hmm. I say quote unquote finished for Zote because like he made it back to Dirtmouth, but I didn't fucking do his dream boss because it was very difficult.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm like, you know what? I can get essence other ways. Fuck Zote.
1: Fuck you, Zote. We're gonna get back to him too. Don't you worry.
0: Excellent. Uh, how do you feel about the charm system as a whole?
1: The charm system. Okay. I like the idea. I really, really do. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I think it was great. It was a fabulous way to reward... Charms were a great way to reward exploration. It was also a great way to customize combat. Mm -hmm. So, uh, giving the game lots of replayability, it also allowed you to uh, compensate for your weaknesses. Like, I'm sure we probably didn't use... I mean, like, obviously there are recommended charms for each boss because people have played this game over and over and over. Yeah. But, like... I'm sure we probably didn't use the same charms for most of the game. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's okay. So that was super useful. However, I really think there should have been a more easy way to switch them out.
0: I get what you're saying. I kind of
1: hated that you had to be at a
0: bench. I get what you're saying. Certainly. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you have an idea of what you would prefer as a middle ground? Because I feel like switching them out at any time would make it just far too easy to cheese some stuff. Exactly. Like switching you them out in stuff. the middle of a boss fight would be ridiculous.
1: Yeah, no. You can't do that. I don't... I don't know if I have a better option, but I feel that if a better option were to be developed, they could be more uh, utilized.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: But, I don't know. Sure.
0: Um, yeah, I like the charm system. I liked it enough to try and shove it into our D&D campaign. That didn't work super <laughs> well, but whatever. I really... I really like the idea, and I really liked the fact that you could build so many different builds off of a fairly small collection of things. There's 45 total charms, and you can mix and match them in so many ways to make so many different types of builds. So one, one minute you're a high damage melee build, and you sit down on a bench and you're a spellcaster, and I just think that's really cool. And you can so easily, like you said, customize for the boss or encounter or event that you're trying to get through.
1: I also like this mechanic so much more than something like a skill tree. Yeah. Because it is reversible. Totally. You know, like, playing... uh, uh, When we played Borderlands, I know that going through my skill tree, I probably made some mistakes. Yeah. I, like... Late game, I, prob- I I know that I wish I did things a little differently, but you didn't have that regret since it was so fluid.
0: Totally, totally.
1: Which was awesome. Yeah.
0: Okay, moving on to a little more end game content. How did you feel about the Dreamers themselves uh, not actually being bosses? Like, some of them had pre-fights, mm-hmm. like there was the Watchers and there was Umu, uh, but the Dreamers themselves... Were not bosses. You went in. You killed them. You absorbed them. That was it.
1: I think that the dreamers not being bosses was a prime example of something I really enjoyed about Hollow Knight. Where the story of it was not spelled out for you. And it was much more like almost experiential storytelling. Mm -hmm. Like you learned the lore and what was going on by... Seeing it happen in front of you and going through it, mm-hmm. and so I think that the fact that the dreamers weren't putting up a fight when you fought them spoke to not like their nature, but the feelings that they were probably feeling at the time. Sure. So I think that lore wise, it made sense that they that they that they, that, they, that they didn't put up a fight. Yeah. And I I personally really enjoy this kind of storytelling as opposed to. Something where it's like, like you get when, no offense, you read like Tolkien or George R. R. Martin books where it's like every little twig is like accounted for.
0: Sure. You know, this is much more
1: like, like kind of Swiss cheesy. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Or like you only get breadcrumbs. Okay. And so I liked it. Also, it was good because when you told me I had to get 1800 essence, (laughs) I wasn't happy. (laughs) I wasn't happy i was like oh each of these little things are gonna be like 10 essence worth like when you hit the trees yeah i was like each is gonna be like five or ten essence great i'll be done in no time no you literally have to pick up 1800 of them
0: well no because there weren't 1800 of them but i get what you're saying
1: i mean okay like no but like, like yeah. you get what i mean
0: yeah speaking of that 1800 essence how did you feel about the process of awakening the dream nail specifically i'm curious. How did you awake it? How did you gather that eighteen hundred essences? Which bosses did you fight? And then how did you feel about the process as a whole?
1: So I I personally for me knew that bosses are hard. Yep. They are super, super hard. So I I mean I kinda cheesed it. I looked up a guide to tell me where as many trees were and as many ghosts were as possible. Yep. So I could just, like, and I mean, obviously, like, I killed the, the three, the three dreamers
0: mm-hmm.
1: that, like, weren't real bosses. Sure. <laughs> so I got, I got, I tried to get all my essence without fighting, like, like, I didn't want to have to go back and fight, like, the soul master.
0: Totally fair. Yeah, soul tyrant he, is, he, yeah.
1: He really killed me. <laughs>
0: I, I, I think a lot of people have problems with him, yeah. I don't think that's exclusive to you.
1: Okay, good. I'm glad I'm not alone there. You know?
0: Yeah. Um I did I did, I
1: did fight I did fight the false night dream boss.
0: Okay. That's interesting. Yeah, because I had a similar thing where I got all of the trees and I fought all of the dream warriors, the ghosts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that left me at about fourteen hundred essence. Mm-hmm. So I needed one more. Um I tried the uh, false champion and I got thoroughly wrecked multiple times <laughs> and then I'm looking at him and I'm like this guy's only worth 300 is there anyone worth 400 And I'm like a lost kin is worth 400 that was a hard fight though let's go try it and it was I beat that guy in, I beat that guy in one fight it was so are easy. you serious yes the the refight was easier than the base <sighs> fight
1: I hate you so much that would have been so much easier
0: yeah it was. You. <laughs> you you beat the false champion, though. That's impressive. I got destroyed by that guy so many times.
1: Thank you. I mean, like, I beat him, but it was a struggle. Like...
0: I mean, of course it was. That fucker does two masks of damage. I have an inherent dislike of any boss that does two masks of damage.
1: Oh, oh, you mean like those dumb, dumb jellyfish? Yeah. Fuck them. Fuck them. So- or those... Oh. Ugh! I hate everything that exploded in this game. Yeah. It was dumb. It was stupid. I hated it.
0: Yeah. Moving a little further along, how did you feel about the process of acquiring the Void Soul? You had two big things here. You had to get through the Queen's Garden, you had to beat the Traitor Lord, and you had to get through Mm. the White Palace.
1: Don't get me wrong. The White Palace was grueling. Yep, And it was, it was an ordeal, but the Traitor Lord just, (sighs) I mean, he 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 is my least favorite boss. Same. He he is the worst.
0: I don't know if he's in my he is my permanent least favorite, but like he's in my bottom three. He's just he does too massive damage.
1: <laughs> he does too massive damage. I hate him. Yeah. I hate him so much. It was I mean like you 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 had to earn those pieces.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. Those were those were two of some of the hardest things i had to do in this game.
1: But we we talk so often about difficulty curves, it it made sense. Like, yeah, i was mad that he did two masks of damage and like those buzzsaws will haunt me tonight. Yep. But cuz i literally beat it this morning. Um <laughs> but like it was it, it made sense. I can't be too mad at it. Sure.
0: Uh, question: I assume you did, but did you do the White Palace with Hive Blood?
1: Yeah. Oh, of course. Of
0: course, yes.
1: Of course.
0: Final bit in this section: How did you feel about the end boss? How did you feel about Radiance? How did you feel about the Hollow Knight? And how did you feel about the fact that there was no checkpoint between them?
1: I I texted you, um, after I had beaten Hollow Knight, and I was like, I I don't know if I said I just had the Radiance left. You did, but. Oh, I, I did actually say the words. I just had the radiance left, but I was I was so happy because I was I was really terrified I wasn't going to meet the deadline, and I was like, okay, I have like five hours. I can beat this one boss, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh my god! When I died to her the first time, it was literally soul crushing. Yeah. It was it was so awful to have to go defeat the Hollow Knight again because of course I died to him again. Sure. And. As I fought him, time and time again, obviously I got better, mm-hmm. and I realized that he was like, yes, he was there as like a door or like a gateway, but he wasn't like he he felt easier as I went on. Total. But at at first, it was really it was really disheartening
0: because
1: mm-hmm. I I most of the game for myself, not spoiled most of the game for myself, but like. You told me that I had to go for the Dream No More ending, so, like, there were things that I knew I had to do, Yeah, but I, nowhere in the content that I looked up prepared me for that. Yeah. That truly was, like, oh my god.
0: I think that's an the, interesting perspective, because as someone that's—I'm not great at the combat, like, I'm never gonna do the Pantheons, but mm-hmm. as someone that's fairly good at the combat, I only died to the Hollow Knight himself a handful of times. And that's disappointing to me personally, because if you're not going for the Dream No More ending, then it's kind of a Borderlands issue, where the final boss is kind of disappointing.
1: Yeah, he's kind of like a pushover.
0: Yeah, exactly. If you go for the Dream No More ending, you're good, because the Radiance is a fucking ravaging bitch. But oh, yes. Hollow Knight himself is just kind of easy. I mean, And I understand why they did that. They did that so when you had to refight him so many times it wasn't a slog to get to the radiance it was just kind of disappointing if you weren't going for that ending
1: i think i think part of it i mean i think the the majority of the reason was because so the gateway to the radiance was not super punishing mm-hmm. like so you, but i think also part of it was if you did not go for the dream no more ending and you went for a uh, one where you didn't have to fight the radiance I think it was supposed to feel kind of empty, you know? Like
0: I guess that makes sense.
1: It was it was supposed to evoke that kind of emotion because it is a game that like since it is a metroidvania, like I don't know, maybe they wanted that kind of feeling of non-completion to be there.
0: And so also, you did go back. And it also feels it also feels hollow be- because that fits thematically kind of mechanically like you said story wise like you won but did you really win the radiance still around it's just in a new host that sucks still yeah and it's hollow it is it is almost the definition of a hollow victory right like you've won but yes. you really won and oh, so that's
1: so good i did i did i did put together the idea of like hollowness i love that
0: yes uh but also
1: i think part of it was just because how easy i mean like as the hollow knight did become easier for me like the the time the run where i did beat the radiance i know i didn't die to the hollow knight mm-hmm. and it really made my victory against the radiance like all that more not astonishing but like there, there was a comparison there you know yeah. The, so there how... was a comparison between the two victories, and it was awesome.
0: Definitely. So, how did you feel about the Radiance fight? Then
1: we talk about end game bosses so much, and I really think this nailed it. Yeah. I, th- th- this is this is my one nail pun. They <laughs> they nailed it. Yeah. It was you you had to have every skill. Yeah. Not 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 like every power up, but like they're like. There was the dashing. There was flying. There was you, something I didn't expect to master, which was the leveled jumps, mm-hmm. like with her uh, horizontal spears. Yeah. Like, there was, there was just something. There was something of everything in there. Definitely. It truly was a culmination, and it was hard as fuck.
0: Oh yes. So I, I really kind of like the juxtaposition between the radiance and the hollow knight. Because the better you got at the Hollow Knight fight, the more you could just kind of face tank it. Especially when you realize that going into the Radiance fight, the game refills all your masks. There's Mm. so many times I would go into the Radiance fight at like three masks. Because I'm like, I'm just going to face tank the Hollow Knight just to get to the Radiance fight. But Mm. you cannot do that with the Radiance. The Radiance is such a boss where you have to be patient. You have to be so careful and that's such a juxtaposition between how I ended up fighting the Hollow Knight every time,
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and I certainly think that's just an interesting kind of piece of juxtaposition there. But you're right; the the boss really thread the needle. They really thread the needle on that one.
1: And we're done.
0: And we're done. Thank, thank
1: you for listening. <laughs> Goodbye.
0: Thank you. Uh, yeah, no, I, I just think the Radiance fight, like you were saying, was fantastic. Uh, I'm curious, what was your final charm set?
1: I would have to. I would have to go back and look. I mean, like I know, I know, I know, I know some of them off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Like I know I had Steady Body in there. Sure. I know I had the, what was the one where you could um, what was it called? Where you Boulder Shell. You you oh, healed okay. and you were protected. Okay. I had that one. Um, and I think I had like one nail.
0: Okay, that's interesting. I most of my charm slots. I had all, I had full charm slots, so I had 11 charm slots. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Most of mine were taken up by the two crystal charms, the ones that let you heal faster, but also yes. the one that would let you heal for two masks. So I was healing Ooh. at about an average rate, but I held, healed but for, for two, two masks. masks. Uh, other than that, steady body, the grub one, so I got extra soul when I got hit, and sharp shadow. Sharp shadow was so important for me because my biggest issue with the Radiance fight was dashing through, like, her light beams, the sunbeams.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: The extra range that Sharp Shadow gave me was essential for Ooh. winning that fight. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, I, see,
1: I didn't have nearly as many charm slots.
0: <laughs> totally fair.
1: <laughs>
0: Just over charm.
1: Just over... Okay. Like... I would never do it, but I like that that was. Kind of, I don't know I kind of liked that that was
0: there. I do like that that mechanic is available.
1: And I didn't realize until I went and I read the wiki. Oh yeah. Because I needed a full list of charms. Uh huh. <laughs> to find out which I hated the most. <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah. Uh,
0: so let's move it on cool. to the next section that we haven't really done before, and it's not. I'm going to be talking we're going to be talking a little bit about the story of this game because we mentioned a few times that Tina really likes the storytelling. So, I kind of want to, just want a more full opinion. How did you feel about the storytelling in this game?
1: Not to just completely say what I said before, but this was definitely my cup of tea. Sure. It was a much more enjoyable way to experience a story, and I think that's important. Mhm. It truly was experiencing a story. We have, outside of this podcast, we have played a handful of games together. One of them being... Fuck, I totally had it.
0: Life is Strange?
1: Yes. Thank you. I Thank you. (laughs) One of them being, Joe made me play through the first chapter of Life is Strange. And that is kind of the polar opposite as far as storytelling goes, and I hated it. Yeah. I'm sorry, I hated it so much. And... This was just... This was just what I wanted. Like, it was just...
0: (sighs) Can you maybe expound a little more on why you enjoy it so much? Do you have any ideas?
1: I think I... I think I enjoy it so much because there is a... Because since they don't spoon-feed the story to you, you can glance over it. You know, like, honestly, I totally could play through this game and get... Like, I could play through it just for the bosses and the platforming. Sure. I don't... I don't need to sit there and listen to everything the white lady has to say.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know? I don't need to go find the midwife. Yeah. You know? Like, you could play through just to kick some massive ass. Yeah. And that totally is one way to play it. But since you can skip over the story, when you don't and when you find those nuggets, like... It feels earned. They feel more special.
0: I don't know. Okay, cool. I like that opinion. Um, a s- just a small perspective I might have on why you might like it. I don't know. This is just an idea that I have. Is maybe it's because this style of storytelling feels more video gamey, Whereas Life is Strange feels like it should be a movie, but it's not.
1: But it's not.
0: You hate it because it's kind of a this is I expect this to be one thing but it's another thing and they don't really mesh well together whereas Mm -hmm. this type of storytelling feels more like a how a video game should tell a story
1: I think I could definitely see it the only the only critique I have of that opinion is I think Laver Strains wants to be a book not a movie
0: I mean whatever it wants to be not a video game (laughs)
1: Yeah it it wants to be not a video game It just wants to be purely storytelling
0: Yeah totally fair
1: And like this was a good way to Have the story In the game without mm-hmm. Like not, not that story can't be the forefront But just I don't know sure. I, I liked it better this way Sure.
0: And also we were talking about rewards for exploration Earlier sometimes the reward For exploration was a piece of story Yeah And I think that's cool
1: Definitely it also was then kind of nice to go back and watch a 45 minute lore video about and kind of see what you had missed yeah you know yeah because i know i didn't hit everything
0: yeah Hi everyone, this is Joe. Uh, I'm just dropping in here, you know, kind of mid-roll thing that we're starting. Uh, Just wanted to, you know, uh, let you guys know about some stuff. So we've been doing this podcast for a little bit now, um, and I've realized I've never really given you guys a way to contact us. So, uh, you know, if you want to hit us up, we have a Twitter. You can reach us on Twitter, at LevelingN. That's leveling and the letter N. Uh, We also have an email, if you want to send us any email. Uh, Our email is levelinganoob at gmail.com. So, you know, uh, there might be some ads coming in after this, but uh, otherwise, enjoy the show. Now let's move on to the next section. How did you feel about the visual aesthetic of the game?
1: The, The visual aesthetic was... While it was very dark, like everything in this everything in this game is very kind of muted colors, and the the background is kind of, I mean, like just j- just dark, like ev- everything is almost kind of um, bordered by like a layer of fuzzy blackness. Mm-hmm. Like the it almost kind of gave it like a warm, like cocoony feeling. Sure. And maybe it was just because we were doing a lot of stuff with bugs. Maybe maybe we're just because we were doing lots of stuff with bugs yeah but the the bugs just look they just look so cute Yeah. And i thought i would hate them so much more than i did and i'm so glad i love them yeah yeah
0: and so like talking about the visual aesthetics of like the different areas even like yes there was kind of an overall darkness or dimness maybe to the entire game but every area still felt distinct the green path yes. was green, city of tears was blue, deep nest was like gray, oh, the abyss yeah. was black. Yes. Every it, area had its own kind of color palette.
1: Yes, every area had its own kind of color palette, but like even just like the things that you slashed it like randomly passively slash in each area were different. Yeah. You know, like it it wasn't just like putting a filter on something. Yeah. It was just so much attention to detail in everything.
0: Definitely. Uh, is this
1: is this the part where I can talk about how cute, even though I hated the fungal waste with all of my, all, just every fiber of my being, is this the part where I can talk about how cute the little elephant guys were?
0: I was going to ask, how did you feel about the various enemy and boss designs, physically? Like, how did you feel that they, did you enjoy how they looked like? You've said that you love them all and they're very cute bugs, but I'm just curious how you feel about the enemy design and the boss designs. How How did they do?
1: Well the majority i will not say all but while the majority of the enemies were cute i feel that that was a very good way to distinguish the bosses Mm -hmm. that there was much more of a ferocity and also grotesqueness to Mm -hmm. almost all of them yep also just you were obviously a very small creature yes but most of the enemies, or most most of the passive enemies that you fought were around your size. Some of the ones that took a few more hits were a little bigger.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But like, the bosses were usually just massive compared to you. Yeah. Usually. Totally. And I think that aesthetic choice, it created like a sense of grandeur that really helped with the feeling surrounding the boss fights versus just traversing through the, uh, just through the world at large.
0: Totally. You know, like, when you step into a boss arena and you see it coming, like, you see, like, oh, there's a door and there's a big square room. And then you step into it and the music changes and the boss usually, like, does some awesome entrance move and screams. Oh. Yes. It's so good every time.
1: Like, walking through and hearing the music change, like, every time, it just gets me. It just gets me.
0: Yes. Also, the, the tiniest thing, but, like, when you first face the Radiance... And you jump up to the pedestal and it says challenge, and you challenge, and then you find out you're fighting the fucking sun. Yes! Like, oh my god.
1: Ugh. Like, just the scale of it. I'm mean, like, you are a bug, but the scale of it.
0: Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. How did you feel they did on stuff like attack windups? Like, so a lot of kind of this type of game and also kind of like Dark Souls is a lot about being able to predict your enemies' movements how did you feel they did on that in the animation of the game
1: i feel like they really i don't think i can pinpoint a boss where i think they did a bad job with that mm-hmm. were some better than others eh, probably
0: Trader lord sucked
1: <laughs> i mean okay yes the traitor lord sucked but like i don't know i never felt super surprised by any of the, attacks, of the attacks. I think they did a good job telegraphing them mm-hmm. and not just made it all the more not embarrassing, but it you had no excuse when you failed. Totally. It purely was just your skill. Totally. But that also made it all the more rewarding when you eventually did beat them and you realized how much better you had gotten. Uh-huh. I actually kind of really enjoyed that. Yeah. I, I enjoyed that style of combat.
0: And now's the part where you get to gush. How did you feel about that soundtrack, Tina?
1: Oh my god! Joseph. I know I say this sometimes, but Joe, it was literally everything. It was actually everything. I know I will listen to this again.
0: I've been listening to the soundtrack for like a week straight.
1: <laughs> okay, I just finished the game earlier today. Give me no, a
0: break. That's fair. I'm just no, I'm just <laughs> saying, I'm adding to your opinion. This soundtrack is fucking fantastic. <laughs>
1: so i very legitimately fell in love with the soundtrack from the beginning like the opening title screen where you click start yes like where you kick click click play game and something that i really liked about this was specifically that opening song and some of the more calmer songs and uh music that backed kind of calmer areas felt very reminiscent of a certain composer. His name is Debussy or Debussy, depending on how you say it. But he is a 20th century composer and he's some of his stuff is a little kind of uh, avant garde for more like as compared to more like classical, um, like Western classical music. But I absolutely love his music. And this soundtrack just reminded me so much of it. And like his music was like how I started to actually like classical music Mm -hmm. like not just like purely orchestral like just like no words at all it really was like an avenue into that genre of music for me and this soundtrack really brought back lots of those feelings for me like we have looked up some of the people that uh mr larkin says he used as inspiration And none of them say Debussy and that's totally fine, but I really feel like they almost speak the same like compositional language. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, ah, just like the beginning song just sounds so much like the sunken cathedral. And I just love that song to pieces. And just all of it is so breathtaking. I love it so much.
0: I love it. I love it too, but I'm nowhere near as eloquent. I just think it's real good music and the boss battles are fucking bumping.
1: I mean, yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: Again, like not like the whole soundtrack isn't swelling piano music and like gorgeous harp riffs. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like the but, boss battles are bumping. Hell yeah. Like yes. And it just it truly is evocative music.
0: Mhm.
1: And he did an absolutely fantastic job and when people talk about this game yes they say three people made it yes they say three people and a composer as we've been saying this whole time but and while i don't think they're wrong i can't imagine this game without the music
0: totally definitely the music really did make a lot of this game
1: yeah and like obviously there were so many pieces that like came together for this game
0: This is really uh... one of those cases where, like, it's why I kind of prefer indie games, I guess. Mm -hmm. Because they have this kind of more exacting background music. Where, like, this came up for me in Breath of the Wild. Because I love Zelda music. I adore Zelda music. But I played through the entirety of Breath of the Wild. And Breath of the Wild, because it was open world and more modern, it did to its soundtrack what a lot of AAA games do. Which is they kind of fade the music into the background, and it's much more of a kind of very bass tone setting thing. And I mm-hmm. realized when I finished *Brother of the Wild*, I couldn't list, I couldn't remember a single piece of music from that game, and I hated that. Yeah, because *Hollow Knight* and every other Zelda game has such obviously evocative pieces of music, to use your words, I guess. That, like, you remember them. And I will remember the Hollow Knight music because they fit so well with each area that you visit.
1: Yes. And, like, there is constant music in this game. But it is kind of, (laughs) especially in some of the early areas, it is kind of a rather quiet game. Mm -hmm. And so the music is very present. Yeah. And, like, because, like, obviously just, like, bugs don't talk. They don't make a ton of noises. Like, occasionally you will hear like they're skittering on the grounds, but like there's there's no big animal noises. There's no you you're just in the earth, so there's no like ambient like construction noise or anything like that yeah. that you would find above ground. So the music really is present, and the quietness of the rest of the game kind of lets it shine through in a really beautiful way.
0: Hell yeah speaking of he did such a
1: good job okay I'm done
0: he did speaking of the rest of the noise though how did you feel about the sound effects and also the voice acting of what little there may have been
1: okay so
0: I hear that Mm.
1: (laughs) no I mean the the sound effects were great especially in some of the darker areas the sound effects of like the skittering bugs while they were kind of creepy like definitely helped signal when like that weird flatworm was gonna come up and like tear you apart yeah like that was really helpful but the voice acting
0: but the voice acting
1: okay i get that people were paid to speak into a microphone and therefore it is voice acting but (laughs) like they i really feel like they took random people off the street and were like (laughs) what dumb noise can you make? <laughs> you're like, boo, and they're like, great, cool, goodbye. Like,
0: <laughs> I mean, no, I don't, I don't disagree with you. Like, I get what you're saying.
1: I, I didn't think it was silly to the point that it was annoying. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't have had them actually speak. Mm-hmm. It just, it just cracks me up that people are like what like the voice acting. I'm like, voice acting. Like, I don't know. Like sound like sound effects is more like it. Totally fair. No T no shade to anyone who voice acted on that game. Yeah. Like you made some very cute noises. But they were just noises.
0: That's fair. It's totally fair. I
1: don't know, what do you think?
0: I I really liked them because I I'm kind of okay with any game that does this, like I'm okay with banjo, I'm okay with Sims. I'm okay with this one. But I'm okay with this one the most because it it kind of adds to the atmosphere of this being a like alien existence to our own. They're not speaking mm-hmm. English because they don't speak English. They're speaking whatever their bug language is. And that's how I feel those snippets work. Like when uh uh like when Hornet yells her battle cry, it's always the same cry. And, like, mm-hmm. she's obviously yelling something in their weird bug language, but, like, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: I, I, can, I can kind of see that. And the, the noises they made were always very distinct, and I feel always really did fit with the visual that you saw of them. Mm-hmm. And not that the visual drawings were not detailed, but, like, for example, I don't think I would have imagined Dung Defender such a happy guy. Yes. Had
0: had you not heard his,
1: like, ho-ho. (laughs) Ho-ho. So, to some extent, it definitely did add to the game. It just makes me smile when you call it voice acting. Totally fair. These people are obviously very talented, though.
0: Yeah. So, now we're going to move on to the section I like to call highs and lows, where we talk about our favorite and least favorite parts of different sections of the game. Tina, we're going to start with areas. The different areas. What were your favorite and least favorite?
1: My absolute favorite, hands down, no question, was City of Tears.
0: Same.
1: There was... It, it's it's no contest.
0: Yeah. The atmosphere, the world building, the design, and then everything that went into the City of Tears was just so fantastic.
1: I could go on, but it's literally just going to be all of the positive things I've said times a million. Yes. It's just beautiful.
0: Yes. Now, to be a little more constructive, how about your least favorite, though?
1: Oh, my least favorite was, um, I mean, okay, so I have two here. Okay. It was, um, and both, I hate both of these, not hate, but they are my least favorite areas for very different reasons why I love City of Tears, but it's Deepness and Fungal Wastes.
0: All right. Okay. Tell me more. Just
1: because... They just kicked my ass so hard.
0: (laughs) That's fair. That's
1: fair. Oh,
0: God. Deepness is not my favorite, but it's near the top of my list purely because of how atmospheric it was. They were going for a certain atmosphere that was kind of signaled by Cornifer's whole thing. Like, every other area, there was the paper trail leading to Cornifer, and he would, like, hum his little song. That didn't happen in Deepness. Mm -hmm. And that kind of... Set the whole scene for that entire area. And I loved what they did with that area. Personally. Mm -hmm. My least favorite was Queen's Garden. Because fuck Traitor Lord.
1: See. I hated him. I don't think he was enough to ruin the area.
0: Also there was. Okay. Fuck Traitor Lord. And also fuck getting to Traitor Lord. Because there was a number of times where. You would sprint. I was using Sharp Shadow a lot. Because I love Sharp Shadow. And I would dash across but i would dash too far because sharp shadow gives you that little bit of extra distance and i would mm-hmm. dash across those falling platforms and even though i didn't land on the platform platform still fell
1: <laughs> platform still fell
0: so i tried double jumping back onto the platform platform's not there i die
1: i mean yeah
0: i just thought that i loved the aesthetic of queen's garden there is not an area in the game that i dislike the aesthetic on i love the aesthetic of every one of these areas but the Queen's Garden was almost too obnoxious in its platforming for me.
1: Okay. That's fair. Yeah. For me, deepness was. And deepness was the creepiest. And obviously, is what they were going for. Mm-hmm. But it felt the most buggy to me.
0: I you mean, know, like. Yeah, that's understandable. That's 100% what they were going for. And it worked.
1: And that, that, that definitely is a credit to them. But, like, that was. The least enjoyable time I had playing the game was when I was in deepness. Like it, like there were just times where like I could feel them crawling on my skin, and I'm just like, okay, it's not fun anymore.
0: Oh my god! Like the first time a spider crawled in from the foreground, I nearly shit my pants.
1: Oh my god! Stop. <laughs> okay, move on. What's next?
0: Um, NPCs.
1: Okay, the worst by far was Zote. Hated okay, him. why? I'm sorry. I don't. I don't care what anyone. He sucked. I hated him. Okay, why? he was just i just i hated how ungrateful he was okay
0: it's totally fair it's i totally went fair. through
1: all that trouble and he was an ungrateful little
0: prick and then you fucking fight in the coliseum of fools and he's useless
1: exactly <laughs> i'm like just get out of here
0: totally fair my least favorite was midwife just because i was incredibly creeped out by her
1: i mean okay yeah she was creepy and she like did try to eat you
0: yeah it, it felt oh, very, yeah. uh, it felt very, um, oh shit, what's Bo, the- bow
1: the face changer?
0: Yup, thank you, you knew exactly where I was going.
1: <laughs> yep. Yup, we have not talked about this before, but that is what I got too.
0: Yup. Uh, what about your favorite though?
1: My favorite was Myla. Yeah. She was, I remember, uh, cause for some reason, I really thought the crystal, what were they called? Like, I thought the crystal area, oh. the name escapes me.
0: Crystal Mines, I think?
1: Yes, Crystal Mines. Maybe Crystal Mines? I don't know. I really thought the Crystal Mines was going to be the second area. Okay. Like, I didn't... I was I was on the complete opposite side of the map to Green Path. Sure. And so I kept, like, entering that entrance so often, and I just always heard her humming her bright little tune, and she was just so cute, and she was so happy. And then, like, to see her slowly become consumed was just that was that was an instance of wonderful storytelling that also didn't like it was related to the main story but like it wasn't like she wasn't a main character yeah like it was just it was wonderfully put together yeah and so sad
0: yeah uh because
1: then she like fucking attacks you
0: i know and i was like
1: stop it you were my favorite i know
0: uh my favorite personally I talked about NPC quests a little earlier, quest NPCs. Mm-hmm. Did you finish Cloth's quest?
1: No, I did not.
0: So, I love Cloth, because if you finish Cloth's quest line, she helps you out on the Traitor Lord fight. Really? And Cloth got the how-do-you-want-to-do-this on Traitor Lord, and <gasps> I was so pumped. But, yes! but, Cloth has a very similar end to Mila in that she got the how-do-you-want-to-do-this- but the Traitor Lord killed her at the same time. And then no. you can talk to her ghost afterward, and she's still so happy even in death. She's like, that was a wonderful battle. Thank you for this. I can finally go to rest knowing that I fought a battle of great whatever. And it was like,
1: ah. Oh. Stop it.
0: It was so good. Uh, Next, what about favorite and least favorite, moves?
1: Okay. So... My favorite super dash. Really? Yes. Why? I just I know you can damage enemies with it and I know you can travel very quickly with it. I felt like
0: Oh, you're talking just, about you're talking about the crystal heart.
1: Yes. Sorry, yeah, I thought oh. you were
0: yeah, I understand. Continue.
1: No, 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 not not the normal, not the normal dash. Like the Crystal crystal I thought heart, you sorry. meant like
0: the upgraded dash. The like, void dash, crystal heart, understood. No,
1: void dash is tied for my favorite. Okay. I'll just, it didn't fall into the category of too good to use, because like, obviously all these things were limitless. Yeah. But just like, I just, I felt like it was something I used the least.
0: That's fair. My least favorite were the nail arts, because I never used them, because they always felt like the charge up on them was just ever so slightly too long. And mm-hmm. I know that you could there was that charm that would decrease the cooldown on it but like even then I'm just like that's a, that's like that's like a two charm slot I could be using on something else oh
1: two two slots over here when you have freaking 11
0: mm. Mm. but I used all 11
1: I'm sure you did
0: um I just I, I, I just never used them except against those armored guys the armored like big armored guys in deep nest.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was, like,
0: the only way I knew how to defeat those guys. Mm-hmm. You use the, like, standing charge one, because that'll, like, attack twice, so it does one attack to break their shield and another to actually damage them. Okay. Uh, that's the only time I use nail arts. I never use them in, like, actual boss fights or anything.
1: You just, you just didn't like the charge? Yeah, yeah. Understandable. What was your favorite? My favorite is a tie between the wings and the uh, void dash.
0: Mine, mine is just straight up the shade cloak, void dash, shade cloak. Um, I just—it was so useful, and I used um, sharp shadow so much. It was—it mm-hmm. was my most used ability. It was so useful in and out of combat. I loved it.
1: As someone who very often seemed to be just a little bit short on their jumps, the the wings were invaluable. Totally fair. So that is why they are very much up there with shade Cloak
0: for me. Totally fair. Uh, and now we're doing something slightly new uh, for the next two ones. Because there were so many of these things and because they were so important to the game, we're going to be doing top and bottom three for charms and bosses. So first, let's do charms.
1: So for charms, my least favorites were anything... And Okay, just, just a caveat real, real, real fast with the charms... My least favorite ones, I didn't acquire all of these. Mm-hmm. Like, these were purely, I looked up the list of charms. Sure. And was like, okay, which sucked the most? Yeah. Because, like, especially since I was super focused towards, like, the, like, back half of my game, I, like, didn't probably do as much exploring as I should have.
0: That's fair. I got all of the charms just because I wanted Salubra's Blessing because it was so useful. Yeah. <laughs> What did it do? Uh, it filled your soul gauge at any bench, just like if it was a hot spring.
1: That is very useful. Yeah, it is. You're very right. <laughs> but for worse, anything breakable sucked.
0: Totally fair. I would count those as one. Uh, yeah, you... I did. Okay, cool. I did. The breakables, I totally get it, except for the fact that you can make them unbreakable if you do the Grim Troop content.
1: Yeah, if you do the Grim, but... But the Since breakable version's
0: totally understandable.
1: Yeah, it's just... And then, I didn't like Joni's Blessing. Okay. Um, And that was like, you can take more damage, but you won't be able to heal yourself.
0: Yeah, I only use Joni's Blessing... Console? I only... Yeah, I only use Joni's Blessing to get that extra lifeblood core or whatever in the area. But yeah. Mm,
1: okay, okay, okay. But yeah, I just... Like, I just... There wasn't... I actually got that one... Like, I actually acquired that charm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I just didn't... the did, the did taking away my ability to heal. Since I know I played, as you will see when I say my best charms, I played a much more defensive build. Totally fair. That just really... It killed it for me. And last but not least, I did not like Glowing Womb. Fair. Did not like that at all. Why? <laughs> Again, like, I got hit enough on my own. You don't need to take... A, the Glowing Womb drains soul. Yeah. And uses it to birth hatchlings. Yep, yep. I was bad enough. You don't need to take away my soul.
0: Totally fair. Totally fair. You know? <laughs> fair. Totally fair. Uh, my bottom three, uh, Nailmaster's Glory. Again, relate to the little Nailmaster thing. I just didn't uh-huh. use it, so I didn't see any purpose for it. So I'm just like, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, second, Fury of the Fallen. Just because like, that is a very specific play style where you play at low HP to get more ability and more strength. I hate Mm -hmm. those play styles, so I hate anything that encourages those (laughs) playstyles. Fair Uh, enough. And then lastly, Fluke Nest, just because it makes your fucking shit useless. (laughs) It just fucking plops a bunch of dead, a bunch of like fucking magic harps out on the ground. It's like, what the fuck, fuck off.
1: I don't need you.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: There were, there were, there were some interesting
0: ones. Yeah. And what about your top?
1: Uh, top wayward compass obviously
0: mm-hmm.
1: you can't not uh steady body
0: Tina you yeah. say you say you can't not I didn't for like 80 percent of the game
1: I mean like that's fine yeah okay but I get lost a lot okay no
0: that's totally fair that's totally fair um, I needed it yeah I'm not blaming you and I'm not saying you're dumb it's just for me personally I was a I because of how well designed it all was. I was able to kind of orient the map to my current location in my head fairly easily. And so I didn't I'm, need the Wayward Compass.
1: I'm sure I could have. Mm-hmm. But I was, I think, a little paranoid about that. It's fair. And I think that is part of the reason I found I wish I could have switched it out more. Mm-hmm. Like, And I know it doesn't take up a lot of
0: slots. But sure. like,
1: I wish I could have switched it out more often, I think.
0: but I, But that is one charm slot. That could be used for something else.
1: Exactly, and like if I play it through again, I probably won't rely on it as much. Sure, but like it was, it was something I feel I couldn't do without. Totally fair. But yeah, Wayward Compass, Steady Body, and Boulder Shell.
0: Steady Body was super useful. I agree. I had that on almost all the time. It didn't make my top three though. Um, I didn't really use Boulder Shell a lot.
1: My top three, I feel. Maybe should have been changed to most used.
0: <laughs> sure. I mean, that's totally fine. That's what most of mine are. Well, yeah, that's what most of mine are. Um,
1: I have second places,
0: which are cool. Sure, totally fair. Uh but my what top three? To my top are Unbreakable Strength. Okay. Obviously, you do 1.5 nail damage. <laughs> uh, sharp Shadow, yeah. because I used it all the damn time. And Quick Focus, <laughs> because it was just so useful for healing. Yes.
1: Quick, quick focus and, um, oh, I just lost it. You just said it.
0: Quick fo- uh, sharp shadow?
1: Yes, thank you. Quick focus and sharp shadow were both in that second tier. Hell yeah. So was Twister, though. I really liked it because I like to use the spells.
0: Totally fair. Yeah, spell. T- I used spell twister a few times uh, with bosses that made more sense to use a spell-focused build, but I was mm-hmm. much more um, a nail-focused build in general.
1: I mean this is this this really is a tale as old as time with us. You know, yeah. you 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 are the melee character.
0: You are I the spellcaster. Yeah. It totally. just
1: it just it just is how it is.
0: Totally. Uh and last last but, but certainly not least,
1: bosses. Um the soulmaster uh-huh. can go I wish he didn't exist. It's fair. He can't he can't go do anything cuz he shouldn't. He's fat, he's ugly and there's nothing wrong with those two things, but there is on him. It's fair. I hate him. It's fair. Also hate the Watcher Knights.
0: Okay. Did you find the chandelier?
1: Yes, because it's everywhere. I know. The dumb, <laughs> dumb chandelier. I get it. Okay? Fair Shut enough.
0: up. Uh, the Watcher Knights was actually one of the bosses I used to spell focus build on.
1: <laughs> yes. Definitely. Yeah. 100%. Um, And then I put down um, Hollow Knight really yeah because like his comparison like coupling him with the radiance i feel adds to the radiance uh-huh. but that coupling does nothing for him totally fair and on his own he's like by by the time you defeat him last time he's boring yeah and if you just kill him once like we said before it's a hollow victory like yep. i there's there's nothing there for me
0: yeah uh my least favorite uh number one is crater lord I just had so much trouble with him, and I just hated him. I love Kloss storyline, but I hate the traitor lord as a boss. Yes. Um. Second, Nosk. I love the aesthetic of Nosk. I loved the lead-up to Nosk. Seeing your dude walking through the tunnels, and you're like, what's that? Who's that? That's another me. What's happening? And then you get to the boss room, and it's a fucking boss. That was great. The boss itself? hated it. <clears throat> hated it I just fought him a little too early for my skill level and so I had a really bad experience the first time and I he was, he was mm. um. and then okay. lastly I lastly I hate Umu cause I hate any boss where you have to rely on an NPC to make him vulnerable mm-hmm. I just don't mm-hmm. think that's good boss design and I just hate I just didn't like that one I just didn't also, like that
1: one also cause jellyfish aren't bugs
0: that's also true, I guess,
1: like I get it. It's a meme in the community now, but jellyfish aren't bugs yeah
0: yeah i e yeah. i
1: even I even tried to science like the shit out of it and was like, Oh, like maybe they're from the same like like genus or something, or no,
0: yeah, totally understandable. what about no. your top,
1: my top? I love the dung defender.
0: Yo, same. His fight itself is fine, but his personality yeah. is fantastic.
1: There, there's so much personality. It's absolutely fabulous. I literally te-
0: I literally text you all caps when I started fighting him. I found my new favorite boss. His name is the Dung Defender.
1: Yes, and it's like, this isn't a super funny game, but he had like, just like the slightest bit, like he, he was a poop boss. Joe, he was a poop boss.
0: But, But I didn't do this because I didn't do his uh, dream boss fight, but if you do his dream fight, it expands on his, like, backstory. He was one of the, Mm -hmm. like, five knights of the Mm -hmm. Pale King, and he's one of the, like, only... I think he's, like, the only one left alive, and he has these little, Mm -hmm. like, dung statues of all of his friends, and, like, he just misses them so much. Okay,
1: that's... That's so sad, but one of them is... The, another one is still alive, but that's okay.
0: Nope. Wait, which one? Oh, sorry. Yes, the, the Grey Lady. Grey Mourner. The Grey Mourner. So, totally. Well, <laughs> I completed her quest and she blinked out of existence, so I don't know if she's still alive at, in my save.
1: Okay. She's still alive in my save. <laughs>
0: that's fair. I'm unsurprised you didn't do that quest.
1: <laughs> your love story is very precious, okay? Bring your own flowers.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, Dung Defender, fantastic. What's your next one?
1: Um, Hornet as a whole, but specifically Hornet Part 2.
0: Yes, totally agree. That is also I on love, my list.
1: <laughs> I loved the idea. Like, who sets traps during a boss fight?
0: I know. I love I loved Hornet's boss fights. I loved both of them. They both had Ooh. flow states for me, and I also I haven't gushed about this enough. I love Hornet as a character. She's just like yes. she's so sassy. Yes. I love her. She's, like, one of the few... No, sorry. I was gonna say one of the few people's personality in this game. That's a fucking outright lie. <laughs> but, like, she... Ah, she's so great, and also, I'm so fucking excited for Silksong.
1: Yes, oh my god.
0: Hornet is it, wonderful.
1: She's so wonderful, and it's also, like... It's so nice to have... I don't know, you you kind of see this, like, Zote pops up every now and again, and Quirrell's there, too, and you Conifer always has his maps... But, like, to have someone who's, like, there so much more often than all of them, you yes. know? Yeah. It's, like, I don't know. Yeah. She's wonderful.
0: She is. Fucking best bug waifu.
1: Yes. Like, uh, you told me that at the beginning. I'm like, I don't want a bug waifu, Joe.
0: And now you're, like, all in on the bug waifu.
1: I'm I'm here for it. Yeah. I mean, like, saying it out loud doesn't make me okay, but, like, I'm here for it.
0: Yes. And then what <laughs> your last one? What your last Radians. one? That's totally Radiance. fair. Uh Radiance is like my fourth. <laughs> I to- I loved the Radiance fight. It was great. I like the Mantis Lord's fight more though.
1: Mm, it was the-, the the Mantis Lord's fight was very good. Yes. It was very good. Yes.
0: I did love the Radiance fight. It was great like we discussed earlier. It was a yes. perfect it was shit It was a perfect shitstorm of everything that you've learned so far in the game. It was just fantastic. <laughs> I just like the me- Mantis Lord's more.
1: I mean that's fair. For me, it really just was, like, chef kiss. Like, perfect and just chef kiss. Yes.
0: Uh, any closing thoughts?
1: Hey, Joe, I think I like metroidanias. Hell yeah! I still don't like bugs.
0: I mean, I'm not I'm not gonna blame you for that one.
1: <laughs> I still hate bugs.
0: I mean, like, yeah.
1: Especially moths now.
0: Fucking moths. <laughs> Every time I see a moth now, I'm going to kill it with extreme vehemence before it controls all of our minds.
1: Exactly.
0: Alright, and uh, Tina, what is your rating out of ten?
1: Joe, oh fuck, I used it earlier. God damn it. <laughs> damn it, I'm so mad at myself now.
0: You used your one.
1: I used my one. <laughs> I'm so upset. Joe, you, I, I just... I, 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 I can't make a joke you you got it you got it it was 8 yes it was 8 good job Joe good job
0: I'm so proud of myself <laughs> so not your favorite game not your favorite metroidvania even but pretty it up there
1: pretty up there and I mean like I just mm. this game was beautiful and the music was everything but guac was just more my style
0: it's totally fair totally fair
1: and, like, as awful as this going to sound, like, Guac probably wasn't as rewarding to play. Uh-huh. But, like, all the way through, it probably had a more enjoyable experience playing Guac just because it was, like, just easier.
0: I can understand that.
1: And, like, that sounds awful. Like, this isn't, like, how spectacular these games are. Like, it, 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 it really just is how much, like, I enjoyed them.
0: No, totally fair. Totally fair.
1: Like, this is such a good game. It is.
0: Uh, for me personally, I like this one better. This is my... F- I think this might be my favorite game we've played so far. <laughs> That's really tough to say. We've played some very good games. I adore Katamari, but this might be my favorite game we've played so far. It's just so good in so many ways. For ex- It's exactly what I love about video games.
1: I forget what I gave Katamari, but this blows Katamari's dick off.
0: You gave Katamari a 6.
1: Yeah, that feels right. I... I can even go up to an 8.5, honestly. Like... mm. Mm
0: -hmm. Alright, that's it for this uh, Fortnite's episode of Leveling Up. Join us in two weeks when we will be playing Crash Bandicoot, which I am going to predict Tina gives a 5.5.
1: And I'm going to predict, I call it Banjo-Kazooie at least 10 times.
0: (laughs) Alright, everybody. See you next time.
1: Bye! used in this podcast was BitQuest by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com used under a Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license.